0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be diving into what's top of mind for us right now, where we'll talk about the most timely and relevant topics that are probably in the minds of a lot of people out there in the HR world. Hope you enjoy. MPL family, stop what you're doing and take five seconds to go subscribe to the MPL Weekly Digest. Every week, we'll share the top three takeaways from the episode, along with the full transcript. Just go to the show notes for this episode and click the link to subscribe. And now, without further ado, enjoy the show. Steven, what's going on? What's up, man? How you doing? You know, Monday, 4.15 p.m. Almost (laughs) almost through with the day, but I I feel like it's one of those typical Mondays. How about for you? Yeah.
1: Same. I, Mondays are like this weird feeling of not, not getting, getting a lot done, but feeling like I'm not getting anything done either. And it's cause like all, a lot of my meeting rhythms with my, my team are on Mondays. And so it's like planning everything. So it's like, I pile on all
0: the, all my actions for the week are just getting overloaded. So
1: Yeah, no, I was,
0: I was exhausted this morning. I just had a really long weekend, had a bunch of friends in town that I hadn't seen in years. And, you know, I woke up a little bit later than normal today and I went to a coffee shop and got some work done. But as I was leaving, I looked over and my wife was in her pajamas, just cranking out work on the couch, which prompted me to ask her, do you enjoy sitting on the couch in your pajamas doing work? And she was like, yeah, like, why not? I'm comfortable. And, um, (laughs) this is my segue into the first topic of today. So last week, Malcolm Gladwell stirred up a bunch of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it controversy, but he got a big reaction by, I think he said something like, if you're just sitting in your pajamas in your bedroom, is that the work life that you want to live? What have you reduced your life to? So what are your thoughts? Well, and I know I just mixed up the order of what we're going into, but I just said, screw it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm ready to run with it. So, you know, Malcolm Gladwell is one of those thought leaders, right? He is, yeah. I think he wrote The Tipping Point and I forget.
0: There are a lot of them, but to like me- How to Talk to Strangers of, or something like that. They're kind of like the same
1: book. Yeah. You know, he takes an angle and, you know, it's interesting. And I always- But I always respected kind of his points of view and he's always had really interesting things to say. And this I felt was just such a surprise. I I, honestly, this was a blind spot for me (laughs) as it relates to Malcolm Gladwell, like what his take on things. Yeah, So, So I just was really surprised that he would, you know, to, to the quote was, yeah, if you're just sitting in your pajamas in your bedroom, is that the work life you want to live? And I love that, that, that Tori was like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) And, and, and for me, sorry, I interrupted you, but for me, I, I think that my view is I get so much more done at work because I'm starting, I'm not waiting till I'm dressed. Like It's not even about that. Like it's, it's about being able to maximize the flow and the time Mm -hmm. that I have to get work done. And so I think it's just crazy. I feel like they must've caught Malcolm Gladwell on a bad day or who knows, like maybe he apparently, so I dug into this over the weekend, knowing that we were going to talk about it today. And I didn't realize that he actually like has his own business. Yeah. Yeah. Pushkin Industries. And so who knows? Maybe they're struggling. And, uh, and maybe his answer to that is everyone needs to conform to my work style so that we can get back to where I think we need to be. Yeah, And well, so honestly, what's
0: interesting is, is what he actually said was, I think maybe it was like CNBC or somebody followed up with him and he clarified what he meant how remote work is okay if you're doing work that doesn't require collaboration. But in his opinion, based off of his experience with co-founding Pushkin Industries in the past couple of years, he's noticed that the people that go into the office tend to be more collaborative and creative, and they seem to have more energy. So I, I, I think to your point, like as the CEO, I feel like this is probably something that a lot of CEOs think, whether or not it's true like Uh, maybe it's just like they feel more (laughs) they feel reassured seeing people in the office doing work
1: look i i know based on my experience that it is scary to let go of control and to allow the entire company to work in a way that you personally are not wired to work Um, that has happened to me from the beginning of the pandemic, actually before then, before then, like, I remember, you know, work of my employees five years ago, like really trying to push the envelope on certain things. And I like even Slack, I was a late adopter to Slack. It was a joke at the company, like, ha ha ha. Yeah. If you're everyone else Slack it, if you're Steven, you know, email or text him and, and so i get it like i hung on to these old ways of working cuz that's how i that's how i grew up that's how i learned to be efficient and productive and so to let go of that i think it's it's a control thing it's a control thing for these leaders because even that even his clarification i'm not buying like so you're saying malcolm that there aren't creative people at gitlab so yeah. you're saying Malcolm Gladwell <clears throat> there aren't creative or collaborative people working at Drift. Like it, it's just like we both know the answer to that. And and so yeah. For me it's like something else has to be going on here and it, maybe this is like a m- little microcosm of the, a broader leadership problem, disconnect between leadership and their and you know and, and the employees at the company.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like while I don't completely disagree with what he's saying. You know for me, my I personally don't work best when I'm sitting in my pajamas all day, but for some people that might be they're like in the flow zone like whenever they're just sitting there cranking out work on the couch. Um, but I keep going back to the idea of choice to your point and about giving the employee the choice and control over where they want to work. And I can't remember what Sierra called it for Dashlane. Like employee choice led hybrid or something. Um, But basically, yeah, you're just letting people get their work done however they want. You know, for me, it's hitting a coffee shop in the morning for a few hours, getting like my most important tasks done, and then taking calls from, from our home office. For others, it's going into the office 100%. It really just depends on the individual. And I think that's the biggest thing that he's missing. Like, yeah. He's sort of inserting his point of view and thinks that everybody should conform to how he works best.
1: Yeah. I mean, my I can see how he feels as though offices do matter. And we've talked about that on the Modern People Leader, where it's not about whether you should spend time in the office or not. It is how you're spending your time in the office and and so you know these general statements like i'm convinced that offices do matter for collaborative and creative work i i think i don't think it's that simplistic is the issue mm-hmm. right and yeah. the in in my opinion it's hard to kind of police you know when is the work actually collaborative and when is it just us working together in a location because if it's just us working together in a location and we're not really collaborating, then, you know, I, I, I don't see the merits of the argument personally. And, you know, to your point, I, I, a lot of creative people need peace and quiet to tap into their creativity, not noise and chaos and chit chat and water cooler talk. Um, like having, having re-implemented, you know, some in-office time, you know, so we go into the office every Tuesday and what I, my biggest, my biggest knock on in-office is, you know, the, um, those days I'm not, I can't fit in as much work because I'm fitting in social time. And guess what? Social time is really, really important. And so I'm not saying I I shouldn't do that. But the reality is, and when I reflect on Tuesdays, like, did I get everything done that I wanted to, like, usually the answer is no. And it's because, you know, I'm I'm putting that aside, you know, intentionally so that I can connect with my
0: employees. Yeah, it's funny. We were sitting there in that co-working space last week, and I had almost the exact same thought. As I was, I was leaving, actually I was like, man, I didn't really get as much work as I was hoping to get done today. But it was, it sure was nice, you know, seeing Steven in the office, getting to kind of just chat and you know, that water cooler talk, seeing a couple of other people that I hadn't seen in years. So yeah, there's a trade-off. It's like you go to the office, you're gonna get you're gonna be able to connect with your with your coworkers more, but or or even, you know, people that are just working in the same space as you, if you're going to a we work. But you might not get as much work done, and that's okay yeah. because it's a different yeah.
1: purpose. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's interesting because <clears throat> I think that leaders that are taking this Malcolm Gladwell point of view, which is either um, resisting this trend <laughs> that's not going away, yeah, or taking a a a i-centric view like i would rather work together in the office so i think you know so now we're gonna do what i think is right it's this point of view that is leading to this second trend that i want to talk about which is uh, apparently going viral on tiktok it's called quiet quitting have you heard of this
0: no I
1: haven't. Yeah. So this is I hadn't heard of it either. And when I dug in, I was like, "Oh my god. I know we we this wasn't on the agenda to talk about today, but it popped up over the weekend and as we were talking, I just kept thinking about this trend where essentially Gen Z, well, and I won't I can't I can't pick on Gen Z, but it it's a trend within the Gen Z, you know, employee worker community to ditch hustle culture to avoid burnout and it's essentially, you know, the quiet quitting is not going above and beyond what is, you know, asked for your, you know, of you in your day-to-day job and just essentially doing the bare minimum. Um, Back in the day, we called that collecting paychecks. So I'm, I'm not here to innovate. It's just just (laughs) rebranded. Yeah. I think this has been for sure rebranded. And, you know, it's just like, the fact that it's being tick-tocked and, you know, half a million people have viewed this video, it, it's telling, it, it's telling of yeah. where we are and how big of a disconnect. Cause I, I could see people, you know, quiet quitting because they're being forced to go into the office and they're wasting all this time. And they're being told, you know, to go into the office for reasons that aren't actually panning out. And, yeah. uh, and I think that is like, Part of like we have extreme behavior on one side, which is oh well you know leaders and executives are trying to force these kind of rules and these transitions back to office based work, and then we're seeing extreme behavior on the other side on the on the employee side, particularly younger generations that are like oh yeah well if we have to do that then I'm just going to do the bare minimum I'm just going to collect my paycheck and get on with my life.
0: Yeah, I actually have a buddy who has been um, unhappy with his work situation for a good amount of time. And I think that... W- know, but they, what does that
1: mean in the, in, the modern,
0: in the modern workplace? What's a good amount of time? Ooh, I mean, at least like the last five or six months. But okay, every time we, we catch up on his work situation, it's the same story. They've been promising him a promotion for the past six months. To 10 months. He's been there for about two years and he feels like, you know, he's sort of stagnated and there's not really any room for growth anymore there. And every month in his one-on-ones with his boss, he's bringing up. So like, what about that promotion? Like it's coming, it's coming. Trust me, just one more month. And they've been saying this every single month. So I think he's gotten to the point where in the past four or five weeks, he's quiet quit. And it's not like uncommon for it to be a Wednesday at three o'clock or two o'clock and he's just at top golf, you know, getting <laughs> wow. golf balls. I don't want to out this friend, but um yeah. yeah, I think he's gotten to the point where he's like, Well, if they don't have me in their best interest, then like why should I why should I go above and beyond for them?
1: Wow. Yeah. And to me, this just would like never have been an option. <laughs> This would have been a sign that I need to leave my job. Like, if yeah, what's the point of me staying here? Um, except it's it, people aren't. You know what? What's interesting to me is that that's not that's not the initial response. The initial response for the people that are quiet quitting is rather than seek out a better alternative for myself, like I'm just gonna like
0: I'm gonna cut back on what I do. Yeah. So uh there's been a lot of layoffs. Yeah, in the past couple months or you know, 4 or 5 months. And I was actually looking at the number of people that have been laid off in 2022. Any uh, guess on I'll let you guess first.
1: Yeah, I I want to say it's got to be hundreds of thousands at this point with Companies like you know Microsoft, you know I know there's some big guys out there. My guess is two hundred thousand.
0: Okay, so the, the number that I saw, and mind you, guy, I have I have no
1: reference point, so it could be in yeah. the millions, but I'm not really. I'm just thinking about kind of tech workers,
0: like the ones that we yeah. hear about on LinkedIn. So according to layoffs.fyi, there have been seventy thousand layoffs in 2022. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. less. It's a lot, but I thought and those are the more.
1: public, those are the publicly reported. So,
0: it could yeah. be, could be more. And, and, uh, I guess since we're talking about stuff that went viral on, on LinkedIn or social media last week, did you see the, uh, the crying CEO post? No. No? Okay. On one hand, like I kind of feel bad for this guy. So, it's this guy named Braden Wallachie, and he's the CEO of this company called Hypersocial. It's a small marketing startup. And he posted this, this post on LinkedIn, and it's a photo of him crying. And it's like a close-up of his face. And it's this really long post about how this was the worst week of his life. You know, He had to lay off a few, few people on the team and how it was his fault. But nowhere in the post does he include anything about how he plans to support these people in their transition or like offering up a plan of action for these people. And it led to a ton of backlash on LinkedIn where people Mm -hmm. were calling him a narcissist and tone deaf. And it led to this larger conversation around the fact that it's typically the average worker that's suffering in these situations. You know, when there's decisions that are being made, like, you know, big strategic decisions that are being made by a company, by the executives, That eventually lead to, you know, them underperforming and them having to lay people off, but it's never, you know, the CEO that's having to to suffer. It's it's the average worker. So, I just thought that that was a, I don't know, I didn't really like all of the, uh, um, like copycat posts that people were putting out for some quick laughs. Like I thought that was kind of messed up, but. Yeah, he definitely got a pretty big reaction from that post.
1: I mean, yeah, it um it's it's like he was being accused I, I th- of having
0: crocodile tears basically.
1: Right, right. It it's like my uh, my landlord raising rent by like 75% and then complaining to me how hard it is to manage his sixty-two properties and in it's Austin, like in Austin, in this one neighborhood that yeah. he's uh, essentially taking control of the market of the pricing. And so, I, I I get it. And I think the other the other thing is it. I'm not sure people know how to use LinkedIn these days. I um I feel like LinkedIn has changed. You know, we both you know are big big fans of refined labs and Chris Walker, you know, who's a marketing thought leader we've had on the show. We, we love what they do so much that we've had multiple refined labs um, employees on our show, but he, there was a comment on a post today on LinkedIn. And one of the things that, um, you know, one of the points he made was like the LinkedIn has, is changing is is changing their algorithm the and so like the type which impacts the types of posts that are the people are posting and all of this like I guess is in the last like twelve months and I know he's talking about the marketing angle, but but I do feel like these changes are to promote behaviors, right And I don't think people understand the behaviors that they should be <laughs> exhibiting on like LinkedIn and so he may have been trying to like get, you know, get, uh, who knows what, get traction, yeah. get, gain an audience. I don't know what he was thinking, but you know, I think that, um, there's some things that are off limits. We should do a show about what, you know, what you should not do as a people leader on LinkedIn. Uh, just cause yeah. I see some crazy things all the time, but I, you know, I think there's some truth to the narcissism. You know, I think that's a little extreme, like poor guy. I mean, it, it, having had to let people go, I can say firsthand that it has an impact on my, on my mental health. It is not good. Um, you know, having people that rely on you, that you personally have convinced to stay at the company, um, that have, that are relying on payroll, it's just really, really hard. And so I can empathize with, with the guy. Um, but (laughs) Yeah, you know, it um, there's it, it, there is truth to the fact that CEOs and these the executives, the people that probably have the you know the biggest cushion to to absorb you know not having a job or not having a source of income are are usually not the ones impacted. And yeah. like today, I, I don't know if you saw the news. There's it's been a busy news week. Yeah, <laughs> as, as we talk through everything, but. Adam Newman the former CEO oh, we WeWork, just closed an insane round of funding 300 million yeah but on a uh, on a 1 billion dollar valuation when there's no product that even exists and here we are rewarding an individual who has destroyed you know shareholder value he has destroyed careers etc like <laughs> if there's one person who feels like it should not be benefit continuing to benefit from, you know, his, uh, his, his stature in the industry, feels like that's the kind of guy. Um, but I think that's what makes it hard. You know, the, the, the public has a short leash or, or I guess, I guess a, they're quick to react particularly with people in a position of power, particularly with CEOs on a site like LinkedIn. And so, Yeah. Poor guy. Like I, I empathize. I I have a lot of empathy for him on one hand, but, um, yeah, you should have talked to your, uh, to to your PR people before you did that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, um, I feel like this is a good transition into us kind of talking about the top three takeaways from the last, you know, let's call it five, six episodes. We've had some, it's been a while since. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we've had some really great guests on, And I feel like there are a few themes that have sort of emerged out of these conversations. And one of them is that HR leaders are starting to think about recession-proofing. So I think, you know, you mentioned- Well, what's
1: crazy is I think our last one-on-one was around recession, talking about the storm clouds brewing and what was coming.
0: I should have posted it, but it
1: it turned into us just hanging out for an
0: hour and a half.
1: (laughs) sometimes that happens sometimes that happens guys Daniel and I will just talk and we're like you know what maybe we'll just keep that one to us but um but yeah so and then literally within like two or three uh recordings we we were talking about it on the show with with guests and yeah yeah I think that um you know with for me you know the recession proofing conversation you know, has picked up steam, even with our, our most recent, I don't know if we're going to get as recent as, um, as Sierra, but yeah, it's, it's definitely within the realm of, of focus right now. Yeah. And, and so what Um, I guess at what point did you realize like, Oh, wow, this is a thing. What was a particular speaker that brought it up? Well,
0: so I think when we, we spoke with Jackson Lynch, we didn't talk about it during the episode, but when he hopped on to join the call, I think we were just like, you know, shooting the shit for 10, 15 minutes before we started recording. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that was top of mind for him that yeah. we didn't actually discuss in the episode. And maybe we did. I should probably go and take a look at the, the show notes. But I think that was the first conversation that we had where we were alluding to this, this looming recession, what we were calling it at the time. Fast forward. About a month or however long it was, we then spoke with Beth Steinberg from Chime, and she talked about how she had been through several downturns as a people leader, and um, she's concerned but not panicked. And I think her big note for HR leaders out there is that it's really important to communicate more than you normally would during mm-hmm. these times of uncertainty. And I think she she talked about this neuroscience model called the scarf model that she uses. Oh, yeah. And it stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness, and how a lot of people are triggered by a lack of certainty. And when you feel uncertain, you're not going to do as good a job at your job as you would if you had that certainty. And again, she just stressed the the, the fact that people leaders should over-communicate and be honest um, about where they're at. And I think that this sentiment was echoed when we spoke with Sierra, I feel like she said Mm -hmm. something very similar that, you know, the best thing you can do as a, as an HR leader is to over communicate, let them know that all parties are being heard, whether it's the board or it's the leadership team or it's, you know, frontline managers, or, you know, it's the most junior employee in the company. Like you have to, you have to listen to all of these different perspectives and then communicate back to everybody hey we hear you here's what's going on and just be as tra- transparent as possible
1: yeah i think that that is hopefully people were taking notes in that <laughs> in that portion of the conversation because she gave she gave a lot of good nuggets and i think you know the the point around communication well first i i thought the scarf model was really really a a great framework a great way of looking at it but the typically in my experience in these sorts of times when it's still uncertain like what exactly is going to happen leaders start to communicate less they go against what essentially Beth and Sierra were, were saying that you should do. And and usually it's because you don't want to communicate something too soon and yeah. and then be left kind of holding that. And the reality is there's a way that you can communicate and make it clear that we still don't have all the answers. We still don't know exactly, you know to what degree you know the global econ- economy is going to slow down or you know, insert whatever whatever metrics that you're tracking. And as a result, you know, the the plan could change. But as of right now, you know, I think everyone knows there there's a plan or there should be a plan, right? That someone is working toward. And so so I think there's some great there's some great feedback in those conversations in terms of handling these conversations and you know how to kind of move forward. But for me, yeah. you know, Keeping a sense of trust is uh, is a key with your employees and them feeling like you're being open and communicative, I think is is clutch in these times.
0: Yeah. And something else that they both said. So I want to say that Beth Steinberg said something like layoffs are a failure of management. And then Sierra said that you know, a lot of investors will talk about healthy layoffs and how she basically cringes when she hears the words healthy and layoffs used together. And, um, basically just try to exhaust all of your other options before deciding to, to lay people off. And I know that's easier said than done because I don't know, I I imagine it's, it's tough. Like if your company is not doing well and you've explored all the other options, sometimes it has to be done. So, Maybe it is a bit harsh to say, it, to say it's a management failure, um, but yeah, that, I think they both said something. Uh, yeah, and I think it was effect. Beth that
1: mentioned how headcount has become this vanity metric. Yes, and, exactly.
0: She did say that.
1: And so companies have been so focused on hiring and bringing on all the product it. people. And bringing, Instead of having you know,
0: responsible growth. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that is the failure in the situations where that is happening. That is the failure. And that's what's so hard to talk about because yeah. how do you explain, well, wait a second, last quarter, you told us we were expanding our sales team and building out, you know, blah, 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 blah you know, this continued growth story. And now you're saying we're not mm-hmm. like what's changed. And, uh, and the reality is a lot has changed, you know, the economic you know situation has changed pretty dramatically at least in the form of inflation if we you know were to boil it down to one one thing but yeah. there's more than that and so and so i think that's where the communication is key yeah and and you know going back to the conversation with jackson what came you know what if i were you know part of a large executive team and we were going through these exercises, you know, I would, I would know that I have a good HR leader if, you know, there was willingness to like really examine the decisions we had made. And, you know, I was being pushed to answer some of these tough questions and I would know that I have the right person because that would mean that we are preparing to about it like first we've got to examine it and come to terms with like what you know what what we got wrong mm-hmm. and and that will you know honesty and authenticity in in communicating these tough messages is is key and yeah. and so one of the you know one of the things that Jackson mentioned is over the last few years you know in his view that there they're, they're Has been there. Still, is too much variability in the job of a HR slash people leader, and I think, even more specifically, you know, he mentioned how because of the high demand in bringing on good people leadership, companies have brought on people that may not have the experience that they need to be in those roles, and, and I think that when you look at the two of those things combined. I would be really, really worried for some of the companies out there Um, because, you know, what I am looking for in people leader is someone who can shoot straight and is going to really serve as the voice of the, our, our people and, uh, and the advocate for our people and, and not everyone, it's an uncomfortable position to be in. Yeah. In these situations. And so I, you know, I just keep thinking about Jackson's feedback and hoping he's wrong, right? Not because I don't think, you know, he's a smart guy. You know, he's clearly, mm-hmm. he knows what he's talking about. But because of how many companies will will be in, in very difficult situations, if he's yeah. right. And and I, I think there's some truth to what he's
0: saying. And actually, the the second theme that I had listed out was, the job of the CHRO or chief people officer is really, really hard. And uh, I went back to the Beth Steinberg conversation again, and she talked about why it's so hard to find a good HR leader. And she said, it wasn't always a role that was valued in companies. If somebody had a good one, they'd value the role. If not, they'd view HR as a hindrance instead of moving the business forward. And then she said, there's been a great there's not a great way to develop people leaders over time. And many people have gotten out of the field because they haven't felt like they were valued in organizations. Now that everyone wants to be a people leader, there's a real shortage. The amount of open roles for people leaders right now is stunning because the job is incredibly difficult. A lot of people don't want to do it. Therefore there's a shortage of candidates. So I just thought that was so interesting. Like a lot of people didn't want to continue their careers in the HR people space because it was so difficult But now, because, you know, it's cool to be a people leader again, all of a sudden people want to jump back into it or, you know, companies value it more and they realize the importance of having a good HR leader, but it's really hard to find one.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that the the, the only thing that I would insert in there is a qualified people leader, because I think there are a lot... A lot of people that would, that want the title. Yeah. And will want the, will take on the job because of, you know, for personal, you know, accomplishment. I was going to say selfish reasons, but that, you know, there, there are a lot of factors that I think play into that. But finding a, so I think there are a lot of people out there, finding qualified people, I think is the real challenge.
0: I also loved her definition of a modern people leader. Do you remember that? I don't. I don't. What does she, she say? She said, when people ask her what her job is, she says it's to move the business forward, help the company achieve business goals through the people practices and optimization of people. Need to get people to understand that a modern people leader is extremely tied to the outcomes of the business. People leaders need to measure their success, have a business plan, and have everything else that other business functions would have. And she said the expectations haven't been high enough or clear enough for this role.
1: I love that. Also, that was a
0: fire quote.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's an amazing quote. And maybe we should change our. We haven't changed our rapid fire questions uh, in a long time. That's what I thought. Questions. Yeah, and that would be a cool one because I would love to get. How do you define a modern people leader? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, so we'll, we'll add it to the future outlines. Um, for changing gears,
1: or can we talk about this for a few minutes? The fact that we had the global chief people officer at Kraft Heinz,
0: it we're on the like same 30, page, man.
1: <laughs> 35,000, 40,000 employees globally, yeah, like is kind of a, a pinch me type moment when we were recording that and getting ready for that session.
0: Yeah, no, same. Um, yeah, the g- great guest. Um, I think I asked her at one point in the interview how many people are at Kraft Heinz and when she responded 35,000 you're right it was definitely a pinching moment. I was like, "Wow, we have you know, the people leader for one of the largest companies in the world on our show right now." So that was definitely a proud Modern People Leader podcast moment for me.
1: And some of the things that we talked about with Melissa at Kraft Heinz that were the first thing that just was really telling for me is just the culture, the amount of time and energy that they're putting into their cultural transformation. Yeah, um, she may have called it like a leadership transformation. There, there so, are so a, a few things going on. Yeah, so they crap had Crap
0: Times. They had Project. They have Project Win, which okay. is their version of Project Oxygen. So Google had. Project Oxygen, you know, five, 10 years ago, however long ago it was. And the goal of Project Oxygen was to measure the effectiveness of managers across their organization and then figure out like what makes the best managers there. And then once they figured that out, how do we make sure all of our managers have these skills? So they went through that same exercise at Kraft Heinz and uh, they called it Project Win. In addition, they're calling 2022 the year of the manager. So I think those were two of the things that she mentioned. And then there was something about uh, oh, the movement around learning. I can't remember what she called it. Do you know yeah, what I'm talking about?
1: No, yeah, the notes that I took here that culturally, Craft Times is moving from a know-it-all culture exactly. to a learn-it-all culture. Yes, Yes. Which I think is for having worked at a at a large organization with a strong company culture, I think is is awesome that they that they that they branded it the way they did. Yeah. Um moving from a know it all. I think that's hilarious and a lot of self-awareness on their part, um, to a to a learn it all culture. Yeah. Um and you know, that just I think will appeal with their talent pipeline in so many different ways. Um, And to hear like actually how they're doing that was, was really interesting to hear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it all, like, if you go back to um, Microsoft where they got this idea of moving from a learn it all to a know it all culture, I found the original clip from the CEO of Microsoft. His name is escaping me right now, but he talks about how he read the book about um, having a growth mindset do you know which book i'm talking about i don't um, i don't there's i but feel it's like there're a lie. Yeah, it's it's very similar to i think steve cadigan talked about this book on our on our show but um, okay. yeah he the, the whole moving from a learn it all or sorry from a know it all to a learn it all culture all revolves around the idea of having a growth mindset and being more agile and i thought that was really interesting and something else that she said that that really stuck with me, when talking about managers, is how, you know, she she saw this uh, this stat from Gallup about how only ten percent of people are naturally wired to be a manager, and you know, like when she read that stat, she was mind blown. She's like, "Wow, like that's that's so true." So if ninety percent of the manager base doesn't have you know the the soft skills required to be a good manager we need to do everything in our power to help them, you know, attain these skills. And I think that's, that was another reason why they decided to invest so much in manager training.
1: And I feel like this is
0: something that other guests we've had have been talking about, right? The idea of needing to better develop their managers, give them more support.
1: Yeah. And I think they, you know, to kind of take from the, the Kraft Heinz playbook, I think understanding the attributes of your own you know management is is smart like let's take stock and look at you know what what makes a successful manager successful at Kraft Heinz you know it, it that that made me think about our, our friend Don Boone over at yeah. Liberty Latin America they did and the, the exact did same thing last year yeah they yeah. actually you know took their engagement data and they coupled it with they connected their engagement data with, you know, their workforce analytics data. And they were able to, like, do some amazing research around the top traits of an effective manager. And so taking stock, I think, is, is you know, a great starting point. Having the, you know, self-awareness to call out where you're, you're strong and where you need to improve, um, I think is, you know, tells you a lot about the culture of, of a company. And then to bring in external experts to help you be to help you define and model like what are the new behaviors that we're looking yeah. for, and I think in their case it was they brought in Kathleen uh, Kathleen Hogan from from Microsoft to like literally help them, you know, construct this this new approach. I, I think it's just awesome, and, and I think you know we're we're going to continue to hear about agile the, the factor of agility in the workplace as something that companies are looking more and more to, to adopt or, to, or, you know, just for that to be a competency that all managers yeah. need to, to be able to embrace and thrive in. And I, yeah. I think there's a long way to go in general. And so I can only imagine for a company like Kraft Heinz, these larger enterprise companies, you know, change
0: is hard. Change yeah. takes time. Yeah. And, you know, even companies that are smaller, like Zora, you know, we had Laura Robley and Valerie Jackson on, and um, they were talking about how they were trying to rewrite the leadership playbook at Zora and how one of the things that they were going to do as a part of this was host a leadership summit for all of their VP plus employees to really get them excited about this new movement that they're creating and this you know the 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 new definition of a leader at, at Zora. Um, so you know it seems like this is something that a lot of companies are focused on. Small, you know, medium sized companies, and then companies as big as Kraft Heinz. I just, I guess, it just gets a lot harder to do it whenever you're at that scale.
1: Yeah, at that size, that's where what it, the 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 ability. To scale these the these programs, or even the design of the programs them, themselves, needs to be scalable. Yeah. I think that's the difference. You know what I love about the Zora story is, um, you know how it was one of our only joint modern people leaders. I think we've done a few of them, but not a lot. I can count them on one hand. I'm pretty sure the number of yeah times Zora we've had multiple labs. I think <laughs> that's it. I think that's it. And so, you know, in the case of Zora, I think having their Valerie, the chief diversity officer, and Laura, the CHRO, as two kind of key change agents in the organization is is a a secret weapon for them. Because you could just tell the dynamic from our prep call with them, the energy, the enthusiasm, the, um, the way that they play off each other. Yeah. You know, conversationally, you know, I can just see how they really, you know, and and I don't think there's a right model for, you know, there's a silver bullet in terms of there being a single model that works for all companies, but clearly they found a, um, they found an approach that, that is really serving them well, because having the two of them as kind of the change agents, I think that is, that's huge. I yeah. Two C level executives that
0: are like, yes, we need to change the way we lead at this company. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember which one of them said it, but they talked about how being a people leader can be really isolating. So the fact that they had two people at the company that eat, sleep, and breathe all things people just made it a lot better. You know, they always had somebody sitting at the, you know, executive table with them that, you know, is thinking about these things, right? And I think they also talked about, obviously, like, in order for that to happen, you have to have a CEO that really gets it. So it sounds like they have a CEO that's also their biggest advocate. So I'm sure that helps.
1: Yeah, so much comes down to the CEO. I mean, this is the whole point of Jackson's episode, right? The way you define it, I think, Beth, to a lesser extent, the way that you define the role of a people leader, comes down to the CEO or the owners right the CEO's boss and um i forget who i forget someone one of our recent guests also said you know whenever there's a change in ceo the hr leader is usually the first to go it's either yeah. like you know and that's either because the you know private equity or the new owners are bringing in their regime or because the new CEO just has his own definition and his own view of, of HR.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. All right, Stephen. So we're like 40 minutes into this and I'm just now realizing we never did good news stories. Should we fit that in <laughs> here at the back end instead?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Because I think we got, through, we got through everything we wanted to talk
0: about. And so-
1: for me, good news this week is today in us in Austin is the first day of school starting. And I guess it's good news, bad news. Like the summer, summer. Party time great. for parents now. For sure. Like parents are like, thank God school is starting. So I can get some structure back in my life. Yeah. Get the kids down early. Um, so so yeah the astrid is 12 she's going into seventh grade and cora wow and and so she's going in to fifth grade her last year
0: of elementary school so that
1: that's exciting
0: man seventh grade i i feel like those middle school years are rough
1: (laughs) they're not good they're not good and and i wish i had some good news as a parent high school as a kid (laughs) i wish i had good news for them that high school it gets a lot better but yeah it uh, it's rough in a different way high schools <laughs> yeah it's going to be interesting times in the work the household so
0: i'm sure it'll be fun too more All great right. are coming so my That's good sure. yeah i got a bunch of them if you can see them probably not but anyways my good news so i had a bunch of friends in town this weekend. Um and uh, a few of them I hadn't seen in you know three years, like pre-pandemic. So it was really nice getting to catch up with them. And uh, yeah, it's it's always great when you can see somebody after a few years and feel like you just pick right back up where you left off, friendship wise. And the there's no awkwardness, you know. It's just like riding a bike. So nice catching up with my friends. Nice nice that
1: explains uh that explains your exhaustion today though so that all checks
0: out yeah yeah no yesterday i napped for like four hours and then i got 11 hours of sleep and i'm still tired
1: nice well on that note i think we're we're ready for a wrap-up if if you're good i think i'm good and i think we covered all the things that i wanted to, to hit on
0: is it overkill if we uh one word close it
1: no, not at all. Not at all. I don't have mine ready. So feel free to go if you're ready.
0: Mm.
1: I'm going to go year. with.
0: Oh, no, you go for it.
1: Yeah. I'm going to go with a one phrase. And this is really geared toward the CEOs and the leaders of companies out there. And it's my one phrase closes be better. <laughs> Just feel like, you know. <laughs> we can all be better at, uh, at this leadership thing, what's going on in the world out there.
0: I like it. All right. Mine's not as inspirational, points? but um, <laughs> I was going to say, and so this has like a double or triple meaning, but the, this next, these next 12 months are going to be the year of the modern people leader. Oh. So I think that, you know, still a huge opportunity for people leaders out there to really step up. I think that, you know, this could have been my good news, but Steve and I now have like a weekly, you know, modern people leader catch up. We're discussing all things, modern people leader podcast. in addition to our recording of the podcast. And um, I feel like big things to come for the show. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm struggling to think of a triple meeting, but uh, yeah, there's at least a double meeting for what I said nice
1: nice i'll take it and as usual i will also say that we need to do the more of these one-on-ones they're so much fun yeah i enjoy yeah. just uh, chatting with you hopefully we'll we'll post this one this one will laugh. for sure okay <laughs> this
0: one okay. will for sure get posted
1: and that wasn't a dig that wasn't a dig I, I, i'm good that the last one didn't because i'm pretty sure we uh, we had the same exact conversation that we had the previous episode but Uh, I'm looking forward to, to getting this one live and let's, uh, you know, let's, let's get some more of these under our belt before the year wraps up. Well, have a good week. You too. I'll probably see you tomorrow. (laughs) All right. Yeah. See you tomorrow. Bye.
0: Thanks for, for tuning into another episode of the modern people leader. We, we really, really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating. It would mean the world to us. And connect with us on LinkedIn. We wanna we wanna know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah, you can you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. So thanks again for listening, and and see you on the next episode.